Welcome to Running a Dream, the podcast presented by Luzire Board and co-host Dario Randall. This episode here is dear to my heart. It's talking about me and my brother growing up. I was watching him do his exercise and running and I learned something from this particular episode and that is everybody has a youngster, be it a little brother, a little sister, might be somebody that's not even a relative, but they're watching you and you don't even know they're watching you and they look up to you as they hero and they shero. And they kind of want to be like you when they grow up. And what what you're doing is you're an example to that individual. So make sure that you be a great example to those around you. And then when they grow up, they'll probably even take it to the next level. There's always... A urge to like, man, I think I could do it a little faster. Or I could think I could do it a little bit more. Because they already learned by their mentors. And then with technology and information, as we go in the future, you learn a little bit more where you can tweak it and take it to the next level. So I want you all to enjoy this episode. This is my brother we're going to be talking to and I learned a whole lot in life from this this man enjoy hey everyone this is Lucire Boyd and I'm your host of Running the Dream the podcast and today I have my brother who is also my mentor Ethan Solomon Boyd hey brother how you doing I'm doing fantastic, sire. How you doing? Oh, I'm running the dream. I'm excited about this week's episode because I got my mentor, my brother, my friend. Well, I'm honored to just be on here, and I'm always honored to have your uh, presence. And so, you know, I was kind of excited when you talked about starting to do this, and I see you already taking off doing it. You didn't just talk about it. You, you're doing about it, just like you are. So... I'm here to help you out and whatever I can do to uh, give any insight to running the dream, we're going to do it. All right. Well, Ethan, um, I was, I've probably said this story a million times to people around that I started running when I was like 15 years old. Me and you was running down... I think that was Oakman over near yeah. Amherst, and we used to run all the way from 96 and Oak, Oakman to Dearborn, <laughs> and we would stay on the island, right? So we would, um, yeah, because I used to run on the grass because I, I always thought you didn't want to run on the sidewalk because it was too much impact on your joints, and so I was always taught you should run up on the grass so you save your joints. And in turn, we used to also say cadence back in those days. We would say military cadence all the way down to Dearborn. 
Yep, you caught me right out of the military, so I was still a little brainwashed. I figured you couldn't run without saying one, two, three, four. So that that was still in me. Oh man, I re I was thinking about running nineteen eighty five marathon. Mm. You asked me to run the marathon, and we was running probably five to ten miles every day. Mm-hmm. And Daddy had to sign for me to run because I was underage back in those days. Uh-huh. And Daddy said, boy, you don't know what a marathon is. You don't even know what 26 miles is. <laughs> and I said, well, if, 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 if I was living today, I, was, I would have said, well, I'm going to learn today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So tell me, Ethan, mm-hmm. what started you running? Mm-hmm. Who was the one that sparked you running? Well, if you think about um, when I was growing up, really all the way back just before I got out of high school, I used to be on the tennis team. Okay. And so one of the things, which is kind of weird in and of itself, because if you see me, you'd be like, you played tennis? <laughs> you would have thought I'd been on the football team or maybe even the swim team or the track team, but not the tennis team. But one of the things the tennis team did at Northern High School is we had to run. Uh, we'd go out to Palmer Park, and we'd have to run from Six Mile Road and Woodward all the way to Seven Mile Road and Woodward and back. So we do a two-mile run just to warm up before we play tennis. Right. And I used to be, to be honest with you, I used to hate that run <laughs> because the guys that were running with us, with, with me, they were just super fast. And it was, again, one of those runs where you're just out of breath when you got done. But that's really what kind of got me started. And uh, I ran doing, doing, during those years. And... Um, once that was over with and I got done playing tennis, really, it just pretty much spiraled. That was the only kind of running I did, uh, other than a few uh, things we got involved with, with the Detroit Striders going out to Belle Isle. I okay. got connected up with a particular running group that... Um, we'd go out to Belle Isle. We ran with the city. There were some city runs uh, that we used to do. I can't even remember now exactly what the team was, but all I remember is I ran the 220. The 220? I used to have to run that 220, half a, half a lap right. of a 440 track, fire pouring down your throat, <laughs> out of breath, huffing and puffing, dead tired when you got done because you put it all out there. And so really my, my, my mentality was I thought that's what running was all about, just all out sprint, die when you get across the line, and hope you can breathe uh, and live afterwards. So I really didn't know anything about the long distance. Pace yourself, take your time, enjoy it. Right. Because people called even marathon running and 5K, they all called it running. It was called running. So all I thought is if you're running, you're out of breath. Right. So... That's what kind of got me started running, that that transitioned really after those couple years. I graduated from high school, literally, I joined the Army. 
And for three years, 1977 to 80, of course, in the Army, you run two miles every other day. And you have a two-mile fitness test where you have to run. And so I got used to doing that, and I did that for three years. Okay. And so what I really think happened is I got out of the Army and uh, came home, hmm. and I was sitting around in the house for quite a while, a couple months. And it just popped in my head, and I hadn't ran, and I said, wow, you know what? I haven't run lately. Okay. And that's when I uh, got up, put on my shoes one day, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go out here and I'm going to run, run down to this particular park. There's a park, Voight Park, uh, around the neighborhood. I said, I'll run down to that park. I'll go around the park and come back home. All right. And... I did it that day and felt good. And next day I said, I'm going to run down to that park again and go around it, come back home. I did that again. Next thing you know, I was running around the park twice, come back home. I run around the park three times, come back home. Figured that the distance I was running around the park three times, I might as well just stay on the road and just keep running all the way down to the boulevard. Okay. So I started running down to the boulevard and around the boulevard and back up Hamilton. That's Grand Boulevard. Grand Boulevard. Okay. And all the way down to where Fort, Fort Hospital is. Now, we stayed on a street called Burlingame in Detroit. If you probably did the math, uh, from Burlingame to Grand Boulevard... Oh, I would say it's about three miles, two and a half, three miles. Okay. So I do that, come back around up Woodward. So that was a good six-mile route. And uh, I just started increasing from there. Hmm. And then the marathon, I remember you telling me something about you was running a 10K and somebody put... Something on your windshield that kind of <laughs> intrigued you. Yep. So <clears throat> after I was running that little route I just talked about, somebody talked about uh, back then there used to be uh, this lady, Emily, and they used to do the Emily Poo run. Emily it was Poo. a 10K. They did it downtown. All I know is I caught wind of this one particular when it was a 10K. I found out that that was about 6.2 miles. Okay. And I figured that route I'd been doing at home was about 6.2 miles. And so I figured, you know what? I could I could probably do that. Right. So I entered the race. And uh, what was really exciting about that is when I got done with that race... It was back, one of the sponsors was Domino's Pizza. Wow. And one of the things I can always remember that really <laughs> tripped me out was Domino's at the end was giving away pizzas. You a know, slice of pizza? No, nah, no, nah, a whole pizza. <laughs> oh my goodness. You got a whole pizza. It wasn't like these runs they do today. You get a banana and a bagel and a, maybe some yogurt. No, back then... <laughs> You got a whole pizza. Wow. So I was thinking, you know, if this is if this is running, then shoot, this is cool. I'm going to get a pizza. So that was all. I didn't think a whole lot about it, to be honest. Again, I was totally out of breath after that 10K. I was absolutely <laughs> dying. I really did a hard run. I, I don't know what my time was. But I came back to my car. Okay. And... I sat down and I hadn't really realized it. I opened the door and I sat down in the car and I look up and there was this flyer on my windshield. Oh, okay. 
So I'm like, what is this? You know, you figure people, you park in downtown Detroit, people running around, they put flyers on cars. So I get back out the car and I pull the flyer out of my windshield wiper and I look at it. And actually the flyer is really a flyer promoting the Detroit Free Press Marathon. Wow. What year, now, what year was that? This one? is 1984 because 1984. I had run this Emily Pooh run. That was right around May, I think, or maybe even June of 1984. Early summer, late spring, early summer was that 10K. Okay. And so this flyer is saying Detroit Free Press Marathon, I think it was October 16th, October 17th, somewhere, whatever that weekend was in the teens of October. Right. And then I read it, it says 26.2 miles. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I, I, said, I shook my head. I'm thinking, and nobody's with me on this run. I ran that Emily run by myself. I didn't have any support team right. with me. I just went down there on my own. No friends. And no friends. I didn't have anybody patting me on the back <laughs> afterwards. It was just me, that race, my car, and this flyer right there. And I'm thinking to myself, 26.2 miles. I said, I just did 6.2. <laughs> and they talking about 20. 6.2? The first thing I thought about was the UNICEF, UF. They used to do a UNICEF walk, a 20-mile okay. walk. Okay. We used to do 20-mile walks back in the day okay. for and to raise money for UNICEF. Right. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, this is like the UNICEF walk. Right. You know, you're not really running 26 <laughs> miles. Okay. You're going to walk a little bit. You was downplaying. You was Yeah. You're going to walk a little bit, run a little bit maybe, <laughs> but they're not serious. Right. So, but it, 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 it intrigued me. Right. And it, it, that is the first, that flyer put a little check in my brain. And in my spirit, and I'm thinking, hmm, I'm going to find out a little bit. So I look, started looking into it. Okay. Now, the interesting thing during that time, uh, right around 84 still, I used to work for one of the big uh, fitness clubs back then called Fitness USA. They changed the name to Silhouette America Health Spa. I remember that. So I asked around a little bit, and people were telling me, nah, man, they run that whole race. That's a total run. And I said, you kidding? And so someone told me what you got to do is you need to be able to run at least 40 miles a week for six weeks if you want to run that to finish it. 40 miles a week. So 40 miles a week for six weeks. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm already running six I can run a 6.2, and I was running these little laps, so I'm thinking, okay, if I'm going to run 40 miles in a week, I'm going, okay, 7 times 47, going to 47 days. Well, maybe I got to do, let's say, five, at least 5 miles a day, and then they were saying on the weekends you do your, your long run. So I'm right. thinking 5 times 6 is 30 then I got to do 10 miles. So if I just did five miles a day and then 10 miles on a weekend, that'd be 40 miles. Right. right. But as I learned, you know, I could adjust those runs. I, maybe I'm going to do six or seven miles during the week and then maybe a three-miler and kind of 
high, low, high, low through the week, and then on the weekend, I'll do the long run. Right, right. So that's what I did. Okay. I just got myself up to 40 miles a week. Okay. For six weeks. I mapped it out. And come October 1984, I did raise some money. I had actually joined the um, Michigan Air National Guard during this same time. Okay. October the 8th, actually, I had joined the Michigan Air National Guard. Interesting. And I was working out at Selfridge Air National Guard Base, and that race was going to be October the 16th, 17th, whenever it was. So it was another week I had been in the Guard. So I actually started raising money. From some of the guys out at Selfridge okay. to help me uh, support the, the because uh, that was for muscular dystrophy back MS. then, or MS, I think. Right. And so, they they got behind me, and uh, next thing you know, they, they donated money. And so, I, I got up that morning, and I went down, I ran that race, and... Uh, <laughs> What was your time that first race? What was my time, my first race? Do you remember that? So let's talk about it. 426. 426. About. I think I could be off a little bit, but it was was right around four hours and 26 minutes. Okay. Is what I ran that first run. And the funny thing was that was back when you actually uh, started over in Canada. Right. At this Olette Park in Canada, and then you ran back to America under the tunnel. Right. You came out of the tunnel, and you pretty much took took off down Jefferson to Belle Isle. You looped around Belle Isle, and then you started going down towards Gross Point, down Jefferson. Okay. Well, I'll never forget that first run. <laughs> I came out of Belle Isle. <laughs> And I came off onto Jefferson, heading down to Gross Point. Okay. And I looked across the street on Jefferson, and here comes a police car, bubble light, <laughs> flashing. And here's a guy right behind him. He's coming back already. Already. He's flying. He ain't playing. <laughs> and I was at, that. that was what? Easily two two hours probably. I had already been into the run coming out of Belle Isle, maybe a little less. But this guy is there. Everybody and everybody's hollering. There's the leader. There's the leader. <laughs> and so we on the other side of the street still got half the marathon still to do. Right. And people are saying there's the leader. And that's when it clicked. That's when I said, Oh my goodness, this is a race. This is not a fun run. <laughs> this ain't a fun walk. Reality check. These guys are no kidding running like the 220. So I got a little scared then, and I'm thinking, okay, I got to start working on this. But I went on ahead, ran my race. Right, true that. And uh, finished up. I had about a 426 that day. Okay. But that was on my head the rest of the time. Man. And I just knew that, okay, if you're going to run this race, you're going to have to do some training. Next level, huh? Yep. Find that next devil at the next level. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, so who... Who, you had to come in, in contact with the right people to help you 
show you the way. Mm-hmm. You know, who was showing you like the training? Like, okay, this is what you really gotta do. Forty miles, I was cute and everything. It's time <laughs> to really put it down. That's a good question, sire. So, I'm going to work after that was over. And to be honest with you, um, that was 1984. I think I still ran another race in 1985. In fact, I know I did. I did another one in 1985. Okay. And in fact, uh, and then the one I actually did in 1985, (laughs) I, I had actually knocked. Now, I'll share something with you guys that I probably don't tell everybody. Okay. But that first marathon I ran, I was going through a lot of transitions myself in life. I was growing. I was learning about a few things. But I had some bad habits. Like I said, I'd been in the Army for a while. And some things I brought back from the Army with me that probably weren't totally healthy and conducive to marathon running. Like smoking cigarettes. (laughs) So believe it or not, I had, even though I ran that first marathon in 84, I was smoking. Wow. And uh, so I figured, you know, maybe it'd be a good idea if I quit smoking. Hmm. <laughs> you think? <laughs> All right, maybe I'll quit smoking and see how, see how that works. Hmm. So I actually, um, in 1984... Uh, after that race was over, in fact, I can almost tell you to the day because I had, like I said, it was a lot of kind of internal turmoil things going on. I was making a lot of key decisions. It was literally December the 26th. You remember the date? 1984. It was the day after Christmas. Day after Christmas. I always remember the day after Christmas. I uh, Cold turkey. I woke up one morning. I was and situations had arised where I was I was had been outside the house living uh, on my own, but some things happened where I had to come back home and start living with mom and dad again. Okay. I had a girlfriend. Right. That uh, I was really thinking about marrying and wanted to get married. Right. I had just joined the Air National Guard. And uh, just a lot of things were just coming to head. And I right. I kind of had a, uh, I call it a almost an out-of-body experience that morning. I woke up at 20, the 26th of December, and I looked over. I had this little coffee table by my bed. And in the coffee table was, a, on the coffee table was a cigarette ashtray. Okay. And, you know, the 25th was Christmas, so we had been up. Christmas, I looked over in the room, I had beer, I was drinking beer, a lot of beer back then. I'm not knocking drinking beer, don't take this wrong, but I'm just saying that's what the scene was when I woke up. Right. Beer cans were stacked in the corner in my room, and okay. I looked over in the ashtray, I had all the cigarette butts over there, and and I just was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, this isn't the person who you said you were going to be. What are you doing? Right. And I, I actually had a, a prayer at that time, and I just asked the good Lord to take some of these negative habits from me, change my life. I'd, I'd seen he changed a bunch of other people's lives, so I've seen some other things coming up to that time. And I said, Lord, change me. That was my, my prayer. Change me. You changed all these other people. Change me. All right. And uh, I had been reading a book back then too called Think and Grow Rich. Okay. Old book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and it talked about habits. 
talked about how we all are hap- creatures of habit and how you don't stop a habit. Okay. You replace a habit okay. with another habit. <laughs> and so I decided that I was going to change my habits from negative habits to positive habits. Okay. And one of the changes was going to be instead of uh, smoking, I was going to keep running, start running and exercising and eating healthy. Okay. And one of the other things was I was going to start reading my Bible. Okay. And doing these little Bible lessons that I had a little book uh, from Campus Crusade for Christ. I always remember it called Maturing uh, Christian Maturity. Okay. And so I said, well, Lord, I'm going to do one of these little lessons in this book every day. I'm going to read one of these chapters. And I said, you take this smoking from me, you take this drinking from me, you take this cursing from me, you take all these negative habits from me, right. change me. That was my prayer. Okay. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so that was my first encounter when you asked, is it anybody that helped me, anybody that changed me or, or, or encouraged me or showed me how to um, become successful as a runner? My first submission was to God. Amen. And he changed me first. I realized who I was. And then he led me to someone, actually, I believe. Um, Again, I was at Selfridge, and uh, there was one guy there. His name was Dave Sisson. David Sisson worked in the fuels area. I was in avionics. I'm an aircraft mechanic by trade, so I, I specialize in avionics. So I was in the avionics shop. That's aircraft electronics. Okay. And this guy, Dave Sisson, one day comes to my shop. I've never seen this guy in my life. Wow. He came to my shop, and he says, hey, man, how you doing, Ethan? And he introduced himself to me. He says, my name's Dave Sisson. He says, uh, some people told me that you've been doing some running. I said, really? I said, yeah. He said, somebody told me you ran the Free Press Marathon. I said, yeah, I sure did. And he says, well, how would you like to join the Michigan National Guard Marathon team? Wow. And I said, wow, really? I said, what you got to do to qualify? He goes, you already did. You ran the marathon. <laughs> hey, You already qualified. Pre- prerequisite. <laughs> the prerequisite, run the marathon. He said, you already qualified. He says, uh, we run every year in May. We go down to Lincoln, Nebraska uh, with, the, with the Michigan team. You represent Michigan National Guard. And we'll go down to Lincoln, Nebraska, and we're going to run against all the other National Guard teams in the country. So it was literally all 50 states. All 50 states sent the National Guard uh, team to Lincoln, Nebraska. And and the winners of that race uh, went on to the Marine Corps Marathon. Oh, wow. So that was the guy, specifically Dave Sisson, that all of a sudden... He and I started running together. Dave was faster than me. 
He was a little slimmer guy than me. If you were to see me, I've always been, they call me a Clydesdale. <laughs> I'm a big guy. I'm not the real slim, skinny, emaciated kind of running guy. I was always 180 pounds or so right. uh, trying to run a marathon. So I was a big chunk of muscle. They used to call me a big giant muscle running. <laughs> but uh, Dave and I... At lunchtime at work, started running together. We'd run around the base, Selfridge Air National Guard bases, about 10 miles around. Okay. Nine and three quarters, really. So every lunch period, he and I would hook up. We'd run around the base for lunch and go back to work. Wow. And we'd run around the base for lunch and go back to work day after day. And, uh, that's where also I my 40 miles a week philosophy kind of changed a little bit because somebody says, well, 40 miles a week lets you finish the marathon, but if you want to really get a good time, you need to be doing more than 40 miles a week. You need to get up to 50, 60, 70 miles a week. Okay. So it took years, believe me, marathon running, marathon training. It's a long term, just like the race is a long race. Right. Developing to become a marathon runner is a long-term investment, a long-term requirement. So it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's, it's a marathon. It's just what it is. <laughs> it ain't a sprint. You might as well hunker down and get ready to put your miles in for year after year after year after year. Right. <laughs> so this is... Um, course 19 we're talking 1987 right now okay. where i actually got on this team okay and i ran for four years 1987 1988 89 and 90 so i was actually running the free press marathon in october and then i'd come back around the calendar into the next year and in may i would run the national guard the all guard marathon in may then I'd run the free press in October, come around and run the run in May. So I was running basically two marathons a year. Okay. And so uh, eventually, by 1990, I was running a 301. Okay. I was right. I had gotten my time down, and it's just a personal thing, you know. I always tell people, you know, you're you're not racing against everybody else, really. You're really racing against yourself. PR. PR. That's what I was thinking about earlier. PR means personal record. And then we talk about your PB, which is your personal best. You have to do your personal best and race against yourself year after year. And then automatically you'll start beating some other people without even thinking about it because you're really trying to beat your own time. So my time that I was trying, I was really trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I knew I had to run that. Back then, you had to run for my age. You had to run a sub-three-hour marathon. Wow. And so I was really trying to do that. I never really did that. Okay. And uh, in 1990, I did a 301, though. And it's very interesting. That year, the same guy who I'd been racing against, Dave Sisson, he usually who, who who trained me, who I ran with every year. He's the same guy. He beats me every year. But this particular year, 1990, 
I know you're going to think I'm going to say he he didn't beat me, but no, he did beat me again this year, but he only beat me by like 15 seconds. Wow. That's how close I was. I don't think he even knew how close I was on him, and I was shocked that year because I could actually see him right ahead of me. I'd never seen him before. Wow. And uh, But that year, he and I training together, I finally got my time and speed up to where I almost beat him. <laughs> and if you would have kept going the following year, it would have been a dip, but he'd have been done. <laughs> so that's really it, Sire. That's how I, um, I kind of got started running. Those are some of the things that I did back early on and some right. of the philosophy that I had, some of the... Um, some of the commitments that I had to make you know we can talk about diet and eating because I definitely I changed my diet I started eating a lot uh, reading a lot on what foods to eat and what's the best foods for running and uh, just just a lot of things happened but I always say that was my base I built a base back then I don't run marathons anymore right yeah I haven't really run a marathon now since almost 19, I think about 1994 okay. is when I actually ran my last one. I'd run about 10 marathons okay. up to then. And uh, actually, well, I, I had a little injury scenario that kind of backed me off in, the, in my back. But uh, I have worked that out. But I just decided there's a lot of time. A lot of money was going into running, and I just backed off. Life changed. Right. I remember when we, um, the night before the marathon, we had that nice big spaghetti dinners. That's right. And then you, you, you taught me way back then to drink some coffee mm-hmm. that would slow down the burning of the carbohydrates back in the middle 80s. Isn't that something? Yep. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounded good. If I've heard that, too. We used to drink, too. What was the other thing we used to drink? Uh, Pedialyte. Pedialyte. Uh, people that say, was, That what? was before Gatorade. That before Gatorade. People we, don't know about that. Well, Gatorade was actually out there, but we, us, us distance runners, we drink Pedialyte. To, to hydrate. Right. That's what you're supposed to give a kid if they got diarrhea, to get them hydrated. They would just, so we used to go literally. I remember the one year we went to Lincoln, Nebraska, me and Dave, we went into the uh, drugstore and we raided the Pedialyte. We wiped out all the Pedialyte. They were probably like, what are these grown men buying Pedialyte for like this? And they got kids or little Clean babies. Clean off the shelves. We cleaned those shelves off and we drank all that Pedialyte. And now, believe it or not, man, those were the years I ran my best times right, right. when I drank that Pedialyte. Wow. That's and they did the same thing at the National Guard Marathon the night before. They had a huge... Huge spaghetti dinner for all 50 states. It was the international dinner. Interesting. And uh, just awesome time. Yep. Back in those days, did they have eight stations, like, giving out, like, Gatorade as you was running back then? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Back uh, all the races always have and have had aid stations, um, refreshments, uh, people out giving you oranges, Apples, bananas. the bananas, uh, you know, the, 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 the spectator audience was always amazing, cheering you on. But, yeah, every 
every so many miles. Um, the there's always I love the oranges. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oranges and then some of the tables you have to know what table you want if you want water they had a water table or next to it would be a Gatorade table okay and you pick whichever one I usually did a lot of water uh the Gatorade I remember one year doing Gatorade and uh it just really by the time you got to the 20 mile marker that Gatorade taste in your mouth you really just wanted some water. Okay. One thing I found out, the water just, is, I don't know. It, it quenches Water you. quenches that thirst. Right. I feel yeah. you on that. Yeah. Wow. Man, thank you about telling your, your journey, how you became a marathoner and everything. Well, I just want, and now, and now I'm just proud of you, Sire. I'm going to just put a plug in here for you because I've been watching you. I mean, I think about when we first ran, I never would have thought you were going to take off. So here it is now. I've slowed down, totally running, and you done totally picked up. You've been running all over the place, running marathons, all geeked and excited. And I'm thinking like, man, please. Don't. You know, yeah, you know, I'll be telling you, I am not running another marathon. Nope, I'm not running a half. I'm not running a full. If you in my, everyone that's in my sound of my voice, I've been, I keep trying to get my brother to get back out here and run another marathon because I want to see him tear it up in his, in his age group. I know he can have a future running thing in his age group because my brother's about to turn 60 next year. If you can see his picture, he looks like he's about 43, 44 years old. It'll blow you away. If you're one of my Facebook friends, just look at my friends on Facebook and look up Ethan Ethan Boyd. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome. Awesome. Well, this is an awesome episode. I'm looking forward to um, this one coming out. I really appreciate you sitting down with me, telling me your your story. And a lot of it I, I watched. I remember being a little kid and my brother used to, sit on the floor in the front room. I used to come out my bedroom and just look at him like, what's wrong with this cat? This cat doing, looked like he was doing a thousand sit-ups. I kid you not, he would stretch. This one lady on TV, what was that lady name, Ethan? Joanne Griggins. He used to be watching Joanne Griggins. <laughs> and whatever exercise she was doing, he was right there with her at six in the morning, every morning, yeah, that was, like uh, clockwork. That's funny. That is funny. <laughs> that was habit. That you, was you, habit. Wa- you was watching me change because you was home with me when I moved back home. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I was seriously going through a change right there and then just training, getting in shape. Metamorphosis. Yeah. hmm Well, this is another episode of Running the Dream, and I'm your host, Lucire Boy. And you all, thank you for sitting back and relaxing and enjoying the show, everyone. And remember, God loves you, and I do too.